The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. We are here and we are the makers of Minnesota. Thank you for listening. My name is Stephanie Hansen and I am your host today as we bring you stories of Minnesotans doing cool things, entrepreneurs that start food companies or service businesses. And today I'm very excited. Um, We are going to be recording episode 65 and I'm here with Karen Bachman Toole. And you are from the Bachman's family that has been producing beautiful uh, garden center and plants and products for, is it, has it been like almost a hundred years? Well, it's actually been 133 years. Okay. Cause I knew that you guys had been here a real long time. That's right. In the Twin Cities. So you are the director of marketing and corporate communication. So thanks for being here today. Yes. I'm so excited to be here as well. Yeah. And I am one of the great, great, great granddaughters of Henry Bachman Sr. Um, who first started um, Bachman's. Right off of Lindale Avenue um, in Richfield in 1885. Okay, um, that is so long ago and so amazing that your family business has thrived for over 133 yes, years. So fifth generation, um, and we have three uh, fifth generation members working in day-to-day operations. Uh, my cousin Susan, and then my cousin Adam, and then Dale Bachman, who's in the fourth generation, is yep. the CEO. Wow. And so same location on Lindale. You've got your same spot and you have a design house there. Yes. That, yeah. Who lived in that house? So that was um, Arthur Bachman and Ernestine actually lived in the Ideas house. And with that homesteaded land and that farm property, that's really where everything be- began, where Henry and Hattie um, first had their plot of land. Um, and then they had five boys and three girls. The girls ran the household and the boys learned the business. Yep. Um, and then as the generations progressed to the second and third generation, they built homes as you would on a family farm, very close to the family farm. Right. And so the Ideas House, three generations of Bachmans actually lived there. And for the past eight years, we've turned that into a showcase of repeatable inspirations and seasonal trends. I love that idea, that yeah. a way to keep it in the family, but also to utilize it as a marketing. That's right. Well, and we actually get to bring people into our world, too, with not only the perishable products, which is garden products, green plants and flowers, but we also get to show some of our, a lot of our creative ideas of how to use everyday objects in unexpected places, which I think is a really um, a, a benefit and a treasure that we get to show our customers in a, a very typical South Minneapolis home style and yeah. size. Of People have no do. idea still. I don't even know how this is possible because I'm a huge Bachman's person. I shop there. I'm a gardener, so I get that whole side of it. Yes. But you also carry an enormous amount of local food products. We do. Um, local manufactured products. The gift selection that you have is just incredible. We do. We really like to celebrate um, the products that we grow ourselves down at our farm in Farmington. 
we have 670 acres down there. But then we like to celebrate local makers and right. artists as well. So we have a lot of Minnesota-made products, um, gift products, clothing, um, and jewelry. Yeah, um, so much. We love having um, farmer's markets into the Lindale location. We actually do winter's markets. Yeah, and um, you have the bakery inside there, Patrick's, Patrick's Bakery, bakery which, which is, is delicious. It is. It's such a treat. So one yes. of my favorite things to do in the winter, actually, is to go to your store mm-hmm. Have a piece of quiche, because I think his quiche is wonderful. Have lunch. It's warm. Yeah. It smells good. There's greenery around. You have all the houseplants kind of in that area. It just feels like you're in a sort of tropical oasis for the day. It is very popular in the winter. And there's something sort of magical, I think, about being in a warm greenhouse when it's cold. Absolutely. um, Where you're surrounded by humidity and lush plants um, the sun is shining in, and it just creates this feeling of I can get through winter, and you can still have beautiful things around you, yeah. even though you're covered in snow. So you have been working in the day-to-day of this business for how long, you personally? Four years. Okay, and what did you do before? I was the executive director of a national nonprofit Okay, um, that was in the building industry, actually. Um, so my career path took me a very different route. I was always very interested in marketing and um, in design, and I pursued that through different internships. And um, I was um, the executive director of this national nonprofit, mm-hmm. and I was called by the family for help. And um, I was so enthusiastic to do so, and I love every single day and every single minute of it. So how do, like, some businesses that are multi-generational, they expect the people in the family to work in the business? Was there any expectation for you to do that, or do you, as a family, like, do you have kids yourself, incidentally? I do. I have three kids. Okay, so you already told me that. Um, So do you want your kids to go out and work somewhere else before they can come and work in the business? What's the Mm -hmm. expectations? You know, I think that through the generations, the expectations have changed. So in the second, third, and fourth generation, um, there was an expectation that after school, the children would come work the business. Mm -hmm. Um, So my mom, for example, she's from the fourth generation she, for a long time, ran um, the wedding department okay. um, and the European flower markets yep. um, in the late 60s and early 70s. And so it it was so part of their upbringing that it, it was very natural for them to be involved with the family business. I think with the fourth generation and their kids, which would be myself, and then as I look at my children, as we spread out a little bit into the different suburbs, it was harder to be there every single day. Right. Um, And certainly opportunities were extended to us to learn about the business and to love the business. And I've always loved the products um, and I've loved the business. Um, But I think my career path took me in a little bit of a different direction, which is a benefit. Um, But there's no hard and fast rules of the expectations now. So if you work for the business, you're treated like an employee, I would assume, and you get paid your salary or whatever that would be. So if you're not working in the business, then you don't take a salary from the business. Is that that how that works? Yes, that is correct. Um, And still very supportive. All of our family members are incredibly supportive and enthusiastic and great cheerleaders of our brand. Um, And, you know, if I look at my own children, certainly they know how hard I work and they see all of the beautiful things that um, we get to surround ourselves with in terms of plants and flowers and vegetables and I'm starting to see, um, as they're teenagers, they're starting to express some interest in sure. the creative side of things. Um, and perhaps my son, he has a, he has interest in the growing and how things yep. work. And 
engineering and things like that. So we'll see where their passions take them. And as we, as you expand your business, you are manufacturing types of plants. We are. So the reason that we have you here today, outside of just because Bachman's is awesome, is we were going to talk about poinsettias. And is, right. the, is do you say it poinsettia or a poinsettia? Poinsettia. Okay, so it is setia because I always thought people were pronouncing it wrong yes. when they said it that you know, way. No, it's kind of like a tomato, tomato, potato, yeah. potato type of thing. But the true um, definition um, or pronunciation is poinsettia, and it's actually derived of the founder um, of um, the plant, uh, Joel Roberts Poinsett, um, was a diplomat. Okay, and he brought the flower from Mexico, and it's actually native to South America. Central America and Mexico, and he brought that um, to the United States. And it's leaves. I mean, all of the flower part is leaves, right? The, te- the technical term is bracts. Okay. Yes. And so that's what you'll see in green and red, or sometimes you have varieties that have pink, variegated, mm-hmm. um, or white. Um, and then a- the actual flower of a poinsettia is very small. It's the little yellow um, right in the middle, which is... Very dainty and petite, but it's really that those bracts or leaves that are the showy part of the poinsettia. And I was surprised to read that they're not poisonous because I always was told, like, oh, keep your animals away from them. They're poisonous. Mm -hmm. They are not poisonous. And actually, in the 70s, Stanley Bachman, who was my great uncle, went on television and ate a poinsettia to prove... (laughs) That's funny. <laughs> to prove that they were not poisonous. Um, of course, with any living thing, you do want to take care. Yeah. Um, and not ingest it or um, things that, um, you know, may cause harm. But right. they, they're certainly not poisonous. So over time, you know, you can, I'll just be honest with you, you can buy a poinsettia, poinsettia mm-hmm. at Home Depot. Mm-hmm. You can buy them all over. But yours are that much more beautiful, that much more lush. Mm-hmm. just the colors are better. How do you manufacture them to that degree where they're Bachman's ready, we'll yeah. call it? So that's a great question. I was actually just down in our gr- greenhouses today. Where and we that's have, in Farmington too? That's in Farmington, yes. And we have 14 acres under glass there. And wow. we grow um, a crop of 70,000 poinsettias um, every holiday season. And that starts early on in the summer where we actually just start from Little tiny plugs, they're about an inch to two inches. Okay. Um, and those are grown with love over many months um, and then expertly timed because the, the reason that you get the color on the bracts, whether it be red, pink, or white, is um, the ratio of light and dark and how they're exposed um, to daylight during right. the time. So um, it's we're, we're farmers, um, but also scientists at the same time where we can really bring those colors to life. Um and we've been growing poinsettias since uh, 1931. So wow. A very so you're good time. at it. We're good at it. Um, and we take a lot of pride in it. It's almost like when I was speaking with the growers today, it's their babies. So And they're Minnesota grown. That's right. Um, that they're Minnesota grown, locally grown. People will know that if you get a poinsettia from Bachman's, that it's just grown about 20 minutes south of here. Yeah. Um, and they can take pride in knowing that. And then lately we've seen all these crazy colors and sparkles and mm-hmm. how do you do that? They obviously don't come, they don't grow sparkles. They don't grow with glitter, <laughs> although many people wish that they did. Um, so they're actually called painted poinsettias or um, novelty poinsettias. And those are white poinsettias that we take to our um, painting station. Essentially, it's like a beautification station yeah. where you can paint it in pink 
or blue, um, purple, um, and then either cover it in glitter or kind of like a faux snow. Okay. Um, and so those are very popular, like the frozen themed um, yeah. type of poinsettias um, that are very glitzy and glam. And some people like that and some people are very much more traditional. Right. Um, 70% of the poinsettias, uh, poinsettias though, are red. Um, that is by far the most popular color. Okay, and people like them for holidays. And That's right. Some people, and I tried to do this once, but I'm not that clever. I tried to keep it, yeah. and then it just turns green. That's right. And then it ends up just being green, like a greenhouse plant almost. I couldn't ever get it to rebloom, but probably because I wasn't assessing the light properly. Exactly. So it it would in a given year, if you keep it around that long, um, you'd have to watch the the exposure to right. light and dark, um, but then it would rebloom with those little yellow um, blooms. Okay. Um, but it's it's harder to do. Yeah. Um, so much easier to just buy a new one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, and it's it's a fairly inexpensive plant for the wow factor that yeah. you get. And so we see a lot of people um, decorating their home. Um, they can add them to um, their centerpieces or their holiday displays, but then also... Um, a lot of people give them as gifts. Yeah, like mm-hmm. for a housewarming or if you're coming over for... A host or hostess yep. gift. And yes. I love the little ones now, too, that you can put on the table in, like, a display. Oh, yes. Well, we grow poinsettias from two inches all the way up to four feet tall. So actually over 30 different varieties. Wow, so there's, like, a tree? Uh, there is. There's a four-foot-tall tree that is very impressive. Cool. And then, of course, they go from, you know, two inches to eight inch, which is the most popular, Um, all different... different Colors variegated. Some are pink speckled. What are the what are the number like? It seems like either people water them too much or not water them enough. Mm -hmm. And it seems like like in this building, people keep their poinsettias for way too long. Do do you find that people overwater them, or is it that they're not letting them dry out in between, or that they get too dry? Mm -hmm. It's a Great question. We actually get that question a lot for any of our green plants um, and succulents as well, which is a different ball game. Yep. Um, but really, it's kind of like the finger test. So you poke your finger down into the soil one inch, and if it feels dry, um, bring it to the sink and let water run through, um, and then let it drain out a little bit, yep. and then bring it back to where you had it to display. Okay. Um, I think people sometimes um, may not take the time um, to do that properly, and they let water sit in the bottom yeah. of the foil cover, and that can um, that's overwatering, and that's too much exposure of not letting the roots breathe. Right. Um, and then there's some people that just forget over time. Yeah, yeah. and they just dry up and frizzle up. Exactly. If you are a good steward of your plant, about how long can you expect beautification from it for the season? Mm-hmm. You know, I usually keep my poinsettia around until um, February. Really? Right up, yeah, okay. right up until Valentine's. Um, and I would think that people can expect that of their plant um, with given the proper care. You know, another um, good point for um, not having the poinsettias dry out too fast is sometimes you're not cognizant of where your air vents may be or if it's close to a fireplace. Right. That will cause um, the, um, the moisture in the soil um, and in the plant itself to... At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Can we uh, do, talk about just, I want to just talk with you a little bit about marketing. Sure. Because you've been doing this, uh, 
you've been at the company, did you say four years? Four years. Yeah. Um, you guys have a huge presence. The purple box mm-hmm. was, did you always have a purple box or did that become a marketing thing in the 90s? Because I just remember the purple box and the green ribbon. Yeah. And when that package came or that arrived at your door, you knew it was Bachman's. You knew it was something special. Yeah. That actually, um, the color purple, that signature color, um, was originated with the second generation. Um, so it's been that long. It has been a long time. And it's exposed itself in various ways mm-hmm. through um, packaging um, or business cards or signage or trucks. Um, but Albert Bachman um, uh, really decided on that color. And a paper salesman came to see him and presented him with um, options of paper to wrap um, carnations. Yeah. And he had the option of forest green, craft paper, or purple. And Albert said, I want that one, and pointed to the purple one. And the paper salesman said, you don't want that one. No one does. And he said, that's the reason why I want it, because there, it was different. And, and you still special. wrap things in purple. And we still and, wrap things yeah. in purple. And even back then, um, back into 1885, I think Henry Bachman had a passion not only for growing, but for marketing as well. Yeah. Uh, how do you get people to be passionate about your products and your services? And I think through the generations, that has definitely been a focus for, for everyone. And to bring something new to that as market conditions change, as expectations of products and services change, is what's innovative, what's new, and what's different. So in the in our lifetimes, and I remember this vividly, you used to order flowers mm-hmm. and you would call and you would order from your reputable florist because you knew that was going to be a pretty bouquet. Then it changed so that you ordered online and you would look online and you would order and there were wildly different price points. And then someone would get your flowers in another state or and they would always look chintzy or not very nice. Mm-hmm. And I just always like Bachman's. You have to order from Bachman's, especially if you were going to have local delivery because you knew it's going to be a good quality product. Right. Did that change your business model? Because were you doing a lot of like fresh flowers and then the internet changed and people could order from 1-800-Flowers and everybody else? You know, I don't think that it was necessarily a business shift um, because um, throughout the generations, there's always been this commitment to um, not have middlemen. Yeah, we would sell our products directly um, to consumers or through ordering that you could either where we deliver locally yep. or way back in the day we delivered vegetables out to Boston and New York. Wow. Um, so we always had that concept and we have modified that concept with different technologies and expectations. Certainly, I think that there is um, this craving to have a very personal relationship now with people that provide service yep. and having a florist and being able to talk to them about what a special party might be um, or a special occasion is so special. Um, and I think more people are going going towards that right now. But certainly there's the convenience of ordering online, which is very popular. There is, I, I will say too, I don't think people realize, like you have done, a, Bachman's has done a couple things for me personally. One house that I lived in, the yard was just a disaster. Yeah. So we had you come out. You helped me design a garden. And then you delivered the big pieces, the hardscapes. And right. then I planted it all based on your recommendations and then also some of my own. So that was one house. 
then we just grew and redid that over time. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand, like, you could come out and look at a troublesome area and make some recommendations. You can plant it for me. I can do it myself. There's so many different ways to work with you guys. And also, just like things like um, recommendations for um, tablescapes mm-hmm. and some, uh, like, how to decorate your home with wreaths and at the holiday season. And right. you what do you want people to know about Bachman's? Like, how do you encompass all of those different things under one brand? Mm-hmm. So I I love um, to describe us, Bachman's, as being able to help our customers live beautifully from season to season. And that's indoors and out. And so you mentioned landscape and garden services. Mm-hmm. Certainly that's one of the divisions um, that's very popular, um, where we help people think about their space outside and yep. how to maximize their time in a Minnesota summer. Yeah, exactly. Um, how to live outdoors and enjoy it, how to beautify it. One of um, the greatest things that I think that we've brought to consumers and our customers in the last several years is the concept of garden coaching, mm-hmm. where we just have um, one of our horticulturists come out and just talk through um, problem areas in someone's yard if there is, you know, someone that moved into a brand new house yep. and has a space that's been neglected, where do you even begin? Yep. Um, they can provide those answers. Or if there's someone that's interested in starting a vegetable garden, how do I even start? Um, some of that can be intimidating. And what we want to do is provide a service as well as education um, that will help people feel successful yeah. at what they can do. Yeah. And that could be decorating too. So the Ideas House is a perfect example of that as well, where you can... Get inspiration from our designers and see how you might incorporate that product or even just that style into your own home. Is the gardener client, so the somebody like me, let's say, mm-hmm. the same person that's the flower client, the same person that's the wedding client? I mean, you must have so many different markets to tap. Being the director of marketing must be challenging. It is. There, I, I like to think that we have many different different demographics that we serve. And we do, I can see them in the stores Mm -hmm. um, and I can see them within our different service departments. Um, And I think one of the benefits that we do have is that um, it is often a family tradition of of using Bachman's for a wedding, for a funeral, um, for landscaping, because they've heard through other family members um, that we're reputable, we have integrity, and that we have a great local Minnesota product um, that we bring to our customers. Has social media changed your landscape at all in terms of how you market to consumers? Or are you concerned about the later trend of millennials buying homes later? Not so much concerned about um, millennials buying homes. I can see them when they come in the store, too. And and right now, they're really um, so interested in green plants and succulents. Mm -hmm. That is a very hot trend um, for them. And it's um, I call it kind of the new plant family is they're bringing and adopting this green plant to their home, and they, they want to be successful, and they want to enjoy it. Yep. Um, you know, and then with the with the other demographics, I, I think that um, they definitely love to engage with our brand um, on social media. Mm-hmm. And right now, um, we work um, specifically with Facebook and Instagram, yep. where we can show that inspiration, we can share that education and those tips. And I think one part of that is being timely and relevant. So this summer when it was incredibly hot, we reminded people to water. Yep. Or um, when it was getting cold, bring your pots inside if you want to winter over um, any plants. Your geraniums. Or, or, yes, yeah. exactly. And 
the scope and scale to which we can communicate is so much faster with that. And um, I think that our customers truly enjoy um, having those timely tips. Um, yeah. Serve to them. Yeah, I, I would I would say that that's true. Um, when you look to the future, you're, how do you continue to grow a business like this? I mean, have you, honestly, have you ever had a bad year? You know, every year is different. Yeah, because um, it is seasonal. Like it is, if it's... it's yeah. Seasonal, yeah, and we work with perishable products. Right. And so we still have that farm mentality and that hustle mm-hmm. of we know we have our crops to get out to the out the door um, and that we have to market those and we have to inspire. Um, and so some of those crops, like poinsettias, have been a tradition for decades. And so I see my job as telling that story a little bit differently. So traditions with a twist. Mm-hmm. How do you make it different? How do you make it special? Um, and... You know, weather plays a huge part. Yeah, because sometimes if it's a crappy spring, it (laughs) feels like you're waiting. I just, I'm always, I'm the person that kills stuff because I start too early. But I, you're so excited. Yeah, (laughs) but and some of it works and some of it doesn't, and I'm fine with that. Right. Um, but you can tell when you get to the garden center and it's been a wet spring and people haven't been been able to get out because there'll be like this mad crush of two weekends where it's just insanity. It is, and usually Mother's Day weekend and the weekend after that are are really wild because that's typically around May 10th is when yep, um, we say that it's it's safe to plant. Um, and that also happens to be prom season and Mother's Day. So right. it's almost the Super Bowl. It's a trifecta of busyness happening at all of our stores. Um, but weather plays such an important part in marketing and letting people be um, successful with the products um, and telling them when to plant. Um, you know, for amaryllis right now is the perfect time to plant amaryllis bulbs right. and paper whites because those will bloom um, in time for Christmas um, and New Year's. And Christmas cactus, is that right about yes, now? it is. Um, so your Farmington, um, what is it called? A farm, I guess. Yeah, it's Are you full? Range. Um, like, I would imagine land yeah. and like, close land within yes. 20 minutes of your stores. That's yeah. got to be challenging. Is that a farm full? It is. So we have 670 acres total, 14 acres under glass. And that acreage um, holds the majority of the trees and shrubs, Mm -hmm. um, plants, annuals, perennials um, that are um, brought to our stores to serve our public. So we're growing the majority of that product, um, which is so exciting to see in the spring. Um, But that also services our landscape department Mm -hmm. um, and our wholesale department. So we have um, a wholesale division yep. that sells directly to landscapers. And, and um, when you are you at all interested in aquaponics, or do you guys do any of that kind of non-traditional mm-hmm. farming? We'll call it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, dabbled in that, but also live roofs um, mm-hmm. of providing the sustainable roof structure yep. that's beautiful um, has really been a trend, and we've done a couple large installations of that. Um, and that continues to grow, certainly. I as, wonder if, yeah, like if, as we're trying to find more land, mm-hmm. if you could partner with buildings to yeah. have farms on the top of there, it'd be live, it would be more sustainable for them mm-hmm. and their energy use. And That's right. Well, you hear a lot of people of putting um, live roofs yep. on their buildings, but also putting beehives on yes. the top of their buildings, too, which I think is just fantastic. Do you worry about bees? I don't. Um, well... 
You know, I think... You don't personally, I don't personally, but from a company standpoint, we, um, over the past several years, have taken um, a a neonicotinoid-free stance. So that means... Can you explain that? Because I don't think people understand what that means. And for me personally, that is a reason that I would shop you... Not that I need more, but for Mm -hmm. me personally, that's important. Mm Mm-hmm. So we do not use any chemicals or pesticides um, as other grow houses or farms may practice um, to keep pests away um, or to keep the longevity of the plant. Um, We use something called beneficial organisms or otherwise known as beneficials. And those are um, like little nematodes or mites um, that thrive on kind of those pests Mm -hmm. um, that might um, compromise the quality of a plant. And so it's completely natural. Um, they're predatory organism, organisms that once they're full feeding, they die off and they right. don't travel with your plant to your home. What is the, what are we going to do? This is my last question mm-hmm. and it's personal. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do about those damn Japanese beetles? <laughs> Honestly, I don't even, we didn't oh. have those when I was a kid. No. And, and they, they just seem like they're more this... and more and more. And I... Pick them off at the morning dew, and I drown them yeah. in soapy water, and yeah. I come out, and there's a million more. This summer was particularly awful as well, and hopefully, um, right now they're in the ground. Yep. Um, and hopefully, we'll have a really hard freeze um, that is just going to kill them off. When it tends to be more mild, that extends okay. the gestation period. Um, that makes sense. Yes. I was um, wondering why. I was like, geez, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I usually could kind of maintain a symbiotic balance of picking and drowning. No, they destroyed plenty of my roses this year. Yes. I wasn't very happy. Roses and hydrangeas and plants I'd never seen them on before. They yes. were on. Yeah. Fascinating looking bugs, but yeah. awful. Yes. Yeah. And very prolific. Yes. Um, but, you know, there's certainly products that can help with that, too. In the spring, Grub-X is a great product mm-hmm. that you would put on your lawn. Um, and there's a whole life cycle, too, of, right. of these little guys that... Um, you can get them when they're in the ground or when they're just emerging, too. All right. I better do a better job of that <laughs> this year. Uh, we've been talking with Karen Bachman-Tool. Thank you for being here today. Um, I'm just, again, thrilled to have your family be in our town. I think we're so fortunate. We have a number of really quality growing families. Mm-hmm. And I just love your purple packages, and I hope they keep coming to my house. Thank you Thank very you. much. At Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing. And a less than perfect one. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. An F-16 pilot having hydraulic problems with his aircraft managed to parachute to safety as the plane smashed into a warehouse east of Los Angeles. Fire Captain Fernando Herrera. That pilot landed in the uh, March Air Force Base area, in the base itself. Amazingly, there were no serious injuries after the plane hit the building. Alabama executed a man last night for his role in killing four people after an argument over a pickup truck. Tennessee executed a man who killed his wife. Reporters couldn't see the execution, but AP correspondent Travis Lawler says... We could hear sounds, uh, including uh, singing, that uh, uh, Mr. Johnson's attorney says was him singing a hymn. Answering a reporter's question, President Trump said he hopes the U.S. is not on a path to war with Iran. Mr. Trump has dismissed suggestions that any of his advisors are trying to push him into a conflict. 
I'm Rita Foley.